and welcome to the Beyond Your Research Degree podcast by the University of Exeter Doctoral College. It's Kelly Priest here, Research Development Manager in the University of Exeter Doctoral College, and I'll be your host for this episode. I'm delighted to be talking to another University of Exeter doctoral alumnus, Denise Wilkins, who is currently working as a researcher in industry. Denise, are you happy to introduce yourself? So I'm Denise Wilkins and I'm a social scientist and I work at Microsoft Research in Cambridge. So my job there really is to um, conduct research. So um, I'll be trying to understand um, people um, as as a social scientist, trying to understand their needs um, and really trying to um, feed insights back to people who are looking at the future of uh, technology development to really think how, you know, what I'm hearing when I'm talking to people might translate and be applied to uh, products that we might want to develop in the longer term. And so at the moment, I'm working in a theme called uh, the future of work. So we're really interested to understand um, what the work might look like in the future and how technology might support that. Um, And my project is looking at knowledge in large organisations. So trying to find ways to help um, workers in large organisations share knowledge and have knowledge uh, kind of more available to them in their work. What was your research degree in at Exeter? So Exeter, my degree was in psychology. Um, so it, it was it was very um, kind of similar themes. I was looking at technology um, and in particular, I was looking at social media and how it might affect people's willingness to engage in activism. So the project wow. was really inspired by things like um, the Arab Spring, um, where you might have seen or have kind of heard news stories that social media played a role in acting as a catalyst by inspiring people to go out on the streets. Um, but at the same time, there was also kind of a slacktivism narrative going on, uh, which said, well, you know, people are just liking things and sharing things on social media and they're not really kind of going on the ground and doing that hard effort. So really what, what I tried to do in my PhD was to really understand sort of when and how social media might uh, facilitate activism and social change and what are the type of circumstances where it might um, uh, maybe have a, a different effect and either reduce people's willingness to do that or might, when might it have more kind of uh, negative effects on social change. So uh, although I was doing um, psychology, my research al- always had that interest in people and technology um, and how technology can be a positive driver for change. Um, and that's kind of followed me on uh, to my work at, at Microsoft. So I'm interested to know what what your plan was I guess when you were doing the the coming to the end of your research degree doing the write-up which is incredibly challenging in and of itself did you have a clear plan of what you wanted to do afterwards was the plan always to go into a research career in industry yeah well at the time I don't think I was aware of like the different options and career paths that there were um I knew that I loved researching I knew that I loved um talking to people um, and I knew that I wanted to have an impact. So thinking about how technology is so pervasive in our everyday lives and how new technology is being created all the time, I, I was aware that, you know, that there are kind of negative impacts that technology can have. So how can um, sort of I as a, as a researcher take a role in shaping that? 
And I, I wasn't really sure then about the opportunities that existed in industry. It wasn't something that I heard much about. Um, you know, psychology is part of STEM in Exeter. So um, I often heard about people with like, I don't know, chemistry or biology degrees and how they might go to kind of pharmaceutical companies. Um, but I didn't really hear much of the narrative about what kind of psychology PhDs could do with their degree. So I wasn't really aware. Um, and I was mostly looking for uh, kind of jobs in academia and postdocs in academia. Um, and I actually uh, went on and, and prior to working in Microsoft, I did a postdoc um, at Exeter. So um, that was with the same uh, PI who supervised me for my PhD. And that was looking at a different form of technology in a different context. So um, there I was looking at blockchain and how um, and how it could be used to create new peer-to-peer -peer energy markets. So I was looking at the energy sector there. And it was only when I started, it was only when I started doing that postdoc that one of the other um, researchers on uh, the same project really told me about kind of uh, user research. They told me about HCI as a field, and they told me about uh, Microsoft research in Cambridge and how um, they do lots of uh, they have lots of engagement kind of with social science and with social scientists and that there really is a role for kind of social scientists in um, large organizations like that um, engaging with different users and generating insights that can be used by design um, and uh, developers. So was that an immediate move? So when you finished your postdoc did you go straight to a job at Microsoft Research or was there something in between? Yeah there wasn't anything in between um, so I just uh, from talking to her, it just sounded really inspirational. It sounded uh, kind of exactly what I wanted to do. So, you know, on on the one hand, um, so Microsoft Research is slightly different from um, like Microsoft. So there's kind of like two arms to Microsoft, um, and you have sort of Microsoft and uh, the product groups, and they'd be uh, directly. They still do user research and they and they would be directly trying to impact like the products we use every day in the short term um so it really is as far as i'm as far as i understand there it's about um sort of like really uh, focused on finding insights that can improve specific uh, products whereas microsoft research has this longer term r d uh, vision so i'm not um part of any particular project product group, but I hope to have um, insights that could perhaps impact and shape um, any of the products. And it's um, other uh, large tech companies have similar. So you have Google and you've got Google product groups, but you've also got Google research. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of one of the splits that you have. So really what I liked about Microsoft research is that you have the opportunity to have the real world impact on um, the products um, by really doing that um, or aiming for that kind of thought leadership and finding finding those insights that can impact the longer term vision. But there really is this um, kind of academic uh, community. So we're encouraged to write publications and to submit them to journals and to conferences. Um, and really there is this uh, academic engagement uh, that, that we also have. So that's another reason why um, that um, those kinds of opportunities with Microsoft Research really appealed to me because I felt like it ticked both of the boxes of what I really loved about 
um, being in academia. So on the one hand, trying to have that real world impact, but also being part of a broader academic and scientific community uh, where you're able to sort of push your learnings out more broadly um, beyond kind of the immediate uh, project that you might be working on through publications, for example. Yeah, and what you're saying about not being aware of the opportunities in industry, but particularly where social science type research might be happening in industry is something we hear quite a lot from students. So from what you're saying, it sounds like there are a lot of similarities between the role um, that you're doing now and a research role in academia. So could you talk a little bit about what the differences are? So what's different about researching in industry compared to academia? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, one of those pieces um, that I like, which is much stronger, is is the impact. So I feel like um, maybe, you know, for me as a junior researcher in a university, um, that idea of impact was probably quite far from my mind. So I wanted to do the research. Um, I wanted to write up for a publication. And then you heard stories about people talking about impact to a more senior but I never really knew what that meant um, I didn't really know how I would go about having impact um, and I think sometimes on a personal level I would think oh I'm I'm doing research and I'm and I'm writing papers but who's reading them who's going to do something with them um, is is it other folk from the psychology community which is great um, but you know how can you go beyond your community and and really um, encourage people who are designing technology to do it differently and for me you know that was just perhaps a, a, a kind of psychological gap in my head like I couldn't see how those steps joined up whereas in Microsoft for me it's much clearer um, so just a really practical example is we have regular meetings with different product groups um, and I'll be sharing my insights with them so really the stakeholders of the research are really clear um, and you know you you have those in mind when you're trying to design the research um, and you have the opportunity to really think well how how might this kind of shape shape their thinking so that that kind of those steps felt a lot clearer to me which is one thing that I really liked um, I think it it perhaps changes um, some of the type of things you might produce so I think sometimes um, in Sort of academia we're, we're taught to write kind of papers and the papers can be really long um, and you know people are really interested in like the details so they want to know exactly what methods you used um, and they'll want to know a lot about kind of the background and your kind of theoretical justification um, and again they'll want to know at the end how does how what are the kind of impacts of this and, and other academics will really have time to kind of read those long papers um, and really distill um, learnings from it but I think one of the things in industry is, is that you, you're trying to communicate your findings to lots of different people. And some people, they might be, you know, the same specialism as you. So they might be other social scientists and they might have a lot more time to read all of that. But you also might be talking to kind of leaders or designers or people needing to make their decisions about their project really quickly. So they'll just really want to have something that they can absorb, like a, say really a, a PowerPoint and they just want to know on, you know, even two slides, like what are the key things that I need to know? Um, so it's about communicating a lot in a lot more kind of concise ways and also perhaps not being afraid to um, have an opinion and have a, a 
a strength and say these are the recommendations this is what I would advise you to do um, and again for me at least in academia I felt like that wasn't something that I did before I didn't really make lots of presentations only occasionally if I was, I was going to a conference for example um, and again I, I think I don't know if this was just my personality but you know I'd shy away from making really strong recommendations and say well because of this study we then need to do like x y and z um, but you know that's really what people are looking for in industry for you to give the practical recommendations for their for their work and what they should do next. So I'm hearing a lot in what you're saying about the core skill set that you use in your current role and communication in a variety of different forms and formats seems to be an important part of that but I wonder what other sort of general skills did you learn or develop during your research degree that you use on a daily basis now? I think because of my degree I think one of the core skills that um, I learned was really planning research and then sort of knowing how to conduct research and having sort of a variety of different research methods so really that kind of expertise with people um, and being able to interview people and you know get them to talk to you about whatever whatever topic they might they might have and then really being able to put that together in, into a narrative so I feel that's one of um, kind of the strongest the strongest skills um, that um, that I've kind of taken from my PhD. So something that I think would be really interesting for our listeners is that you've interviewed um, and been successful for a research job in academia and in industry. Um, so can you talk about the interview and application processes for those roles and, and if they were similar or if they were different and if so, what the differences were? Um, they were different. So um, the, pre- the interview process at Microsoft was much longer. Um, so there were a number of uh, calls first. So I think first I submitted an application, which was, I think it was a CV um, and maybe maybe a statement, um, a short statement as to sort of why the job was, was interesting. Um, and then I had a call from a recruiter um, who um, just really wanted to cover some kind of fundamental things. So. The, the job actually have with Microsoft is, uh, is, it is called a postdoc. So it was just really checking things of, you know, have, have I finished my PhD um, and just trying to get the basics to kind of field. And then I was passed on to a, a telephone interview with the person who's now my manager. Um, so I think she interviewed me and maybe it was for about an hour. Um, and then after that, I got invited to um, the lab uh, where I would give a presentation. So that uh, presentation was an hour. Um, and then I had um, interviews with, in, one-to-one interviews with a number of different researchers at the lab. So it really was like a whole, when I was there, it was really like a whole day event of a number of different activities. Um, whereas my postdoc at Exeter, um, I did the, I think it was this, the normal application of the CV and the covering letter. Um, and then I got invited to an interview and I was interviewed by a panel of three people who asked questions. And I think, you know, that interview was, was for less than an hour. Um, so I think the, the length and like the number of stages uh, was much different. 
um, in industry compared to at the university. And, and I think because the tasks were different, so I didn't give a presentation when I was interviewed at um, the university. So again, that had a different type of preparation because I had to kind of put the presentation together. But I think in terms of like the, the fundamental preparation for the interview and thinking, you know, why do you want the job? Like, what have you got to offer? How does that fit into your career path? Like, why this organisation? Why this role? Um, you know, those things were great. And also when I was applying for both jobs, I got um, help from the career service at Exeter. So I had a one-to-one -one session with one of the um, careers advisors who specifically um, helps uh, PhD students. And that was really sort of invaluable both times in terms of sort of like just helping me think about it. So um, I really felt like that kind of preparation that you did that I did beforehand would be really key. Um, and I would encourage anybody who's applying for any type of job really to put kind of the work into that preparation. Um, you know, and it, and it might even, that work might even span, you know, a few days where you go away and you're really researching and understanding things. So yeah, I, f I feel like that was something that really helped me with both of being able to do that kind of upfront preparation and get my, my head in a space so I knew kind of the story that I wanted to tell. Absolutely. And did you find you articulated um, that story and those skills differently in the different contexts? I feel like it was similar. Um, yeah, I do feel like it was similar. I think because, um, you know, the job that I have with Microsoft, it is a postdoc. So they are expecting somebody who doesn't have, you know, they, someone who's new to industry. So somebody who has completed their PhD and they're, they're looking for their kind of first industry position. So they weren't you know, really expecting me to come and say, you know, I've got years of, um, you know, working with kind of product groups and, um, you know, delivering insights and having this massive impact on how organisations run. Um, it, it really was trying to articulate how um, the, the findings from kind of my, my PhD, for example, or how some of the findings that I have could be relevant and impactful for uh, them. Um, and the kind of Microsoft as a stakeholder, what would that look like? And I think that was kind of similar with my postdoc um, interview in academia. They really wanted to kind of, you know, learn, know some of those kind of transferable skills. So um, the postdoc that I did at Exeter, um, it was a completely different topic, um, but they wanted to hear, well, you know, what, what skills would you bring and how, how would you um, make sure that they, that that could benefit our project? So I feel like that was, there were lots of similarities there. Yeah, it sounds like the threads between the different research roles in different contexts are actually really strong. Can you talk to me a little bit about your average day? Now, I know there's no such thing as an average day right now, but how different is your kind of working day and working life to when you were a research degree student and a postdoc? So I think my average day... Um, now in industry is quite different to how it was as a PhD student. Um, for me, at least when I was doing my PhD, um, I was really working on on my own. Um, so a lot of the time um, I wasn't uh, meeting with many other people to discuss my research other than my academic supervisors. And then very rarely um, I would give maybe a presentation to kind of the the lab group that we had 
so it really was sort of very individual work um i felt like i was kind of doing it for myself and i also felt like um you know this is for me when i'm ready i'll share that when once i've got the paper or once i've done the presentation i'll share that with other people um, but i think the, the kind of flip side of that was always that question in my mind well who's really interested in the in the results of this like what, what's going to happen to it later whereas um in microsoft it's much more collaborative so i'm working as part of a multidisciplinary team so there's designers on the team and there's machine learning researchers they're engineers um, we have sort of regular meetings like throughout the week um, so in any one day um, I might be meeting with um, the team members to both tell them about the things that I've been doing so to update on the, thing, the, the things that I've been doing during the week also to hear about what they've been doing um, I might be helping people conduct their own research so some of the designers they do research so I might be helping them uh, like recruit participants I might be helping them um, think about some of their findings and distill insights I might be kind of contributing to a powerpoint that that we're making to to show other people the work we've done and um, there is I might be I might be participating in like a brainstorm or a workshop where we're trying to understand like the next phase of the project and what some of our priorities are and um, but there is still space for individual work so I would still conduct my own research studies. Um, I'd be doing literature reviews. I'd be doing going through an ethics process, so to get ethical approval for my study. I'd be analysing the results, um, trying to trying to write those up and trying to write papers. Um, and there is also a um, we have sort of a, a kind of lab culture. So I'm part of the future of work theme. Um, every other week uh, we would have a meeting where we would, for example, listen to a presentation from one of the other researchers. So I think really my day could be split up with any of those tasks, depending on what stage I am in the project. Um, I wouldn't, there is no one day that looks the same, um, but yeah. I think those types of tasks on, on that kind of individual level, they are very similar to what I was doing in my PhD. Um, but there is this other collaborative layer where you are really part of a bigger team um, and you're really, um, trying to kind of help the team be successful which I feel is different from, from my own PhD because it, it was kind of a very individual uh, project and working style. So thinking about that emphasis on collaborative working what experiences did you have as a research student that helped prepare you for this way of working or helped you develop the skill set that you would need in the workplace? I got involved in different types of extracurricular activities so I feel like that helped more than what I was doing in my PhD per se um, so when I was at Exeter there was the opportunity to be a facilitator on like Grand Challenges Week um, so that was really a great point of um, collaboration for me um, in trying to kind of think about what what the kind of team of undergraduates are doing and how I might also support them in, in their work and kind of facilitate them so that didn't feel as kind of individual. Um, there were other things that I did. Um, so I'd, I'd been included on um, a, a grant application. So I helped, uh, it wasn't successful, but I kind of helped prepare some of the work for that. So there were kind of brainstorms and kind of workshop sessions and 
and people were collaboratively authoring kind of documents so that was really another aspect that um really facilitated that um and another thing that i got involved with uh, was the kind of widening participation program at exeter so that's um with with the residential team so um and and also open dates as well so those i was working as part of a team where we collaborated to think about what what activities do we want to do what are some some of the things we want to present to people so yeah i felt like those extracurricular things were what really helped um with that kind of collaboration aspect kind of in my phd and i also mentioned the postdoc that i did at exeter um we're looking at the um kind of peer-to-peer -peer energy markets and that was more collaborative there because i was working in a multidisciplinary team um with uh, computer scientists and software engineers um, so yeah, yeah that was a lot more collaborative in terms of we had more kind of regular meetings where we would give updates about the work that we'd done and we'd look at the different kind of pieces of work and we tried to understand how the different pieces kind of fit together so I felt like it wasn't perhaps things that I did uh, kind of directly through my PhD but I felt that there were other um, things that I got involved in during my PhD that helped so were there other extracurricular things that you got involved with that were really important or formative for moving on to the postdoc and your current job at Microsoft Research? Yeah, so I know that I got I took part in a summer school as well. Um, so in the psychology department um, and as social psychologists, we're part of a, a broader um, kind of European association of social psychologists. And there was a summer school. So I took part in that and that was in a way a bit a bit how we have kind of grand challenges for the undergrads it was sort of you kind of came in for I think it was a week or two weeks um, and we just tackled like a brand new problem or a brand new area of, of research for us and we kind of worked in small groups and we thought about what a, a study would look like and what kind of questions we'd want to ask and what kind of data we'd want to collect so that kind of rapid um, that trying to gain a rapid understanding of a new topic and then try to kind of spin that up into what a kind of project proposal might look like. That was really good as well. So um, I think those types of opportunities where you know that you're going to be working with other people um, doing a different type of task than you might do in your everyday work. Um, that was good. And yeah, I had a few other things that I did. So um, there, I always kind of get get the names of them confused but I think it was I think this actually came under public outreach so um I got involved in things like the uh, Sigma Science Festival um yes. and put together a, just sort of like a, a little demo from psychology but it just got me talking to other audiences so you know those were kids you know young children and um members of the public um so again it, you know I didn't even talk to them about my own research I feel like sometimes that's a barrier where you might think oh I don't have um, anything to say about my own research but I just talked to them about kind of classic psychology um, experiments and bought little things that they could play with so there's a little bit of an IQ test that they got to kind of shift around blocks and try to put patterns together but I think that as well it just helped me just with communication skills and thinking about how to explain kind of research to people who aren't academics so yeah I thought both in the communication and in just kind of planning that and setting that up and talking about the team, what are we going to do and how are we going to do that? That was also another aspect of collaboration. 
So thinking about those those extracurricular things that you did, you know, Sidmouth Science Festival, Grand Challenges, the summer school, going to see um, a careers consultant for a one-to-one appointment, what other advice would you give to current research degree students to um, what opportunities do you think they should make the most of during their research degree to help them prepare for that transition to a, a career in research but also a role outside of academia? Yeah so I think um, the one thing that I didn't do which I've learned about is internships so um, you know so organizations like Microsoft Research but you know, especially anybody who's interested, potentially interested in tech, in, in the summer, um, lots of these companies have internships where they're looking for PhD students. They're paid, uh, they're like well paid, um, and you can go for three months over the summer. So I think a lot of places they start to kind of advertise things in September. So you know, there's a bit of forward planning involved. But I would definitely say to look and see if there's an internship um, in. In the type of area that you might be interested in because it really does give you a head start and you know some people come back and do the internship every single year so um they you know they start in their first year and then by the end of like their third year they've done an internship with the organization three three times and you you really think you know they've almost got kind of a year's work experience directly in the industry that they want to go into and um, but even if you do the internship and you might think oh actually this isn't you know, anything like I thought it was going to be, and I've, I've realised I don't want to do this. Um, I think it will give you a, a whole new set of skills that you probably wouldn't get from your PhD. And also it'd give you that learning. It might give you that closer understanding of, oh, what is it that I want to do? And I think even if you um, kind of really feel strongly, actually, I want to go into academia, um, doing something like an internship might help you get industry connections. So when you're thinking about writing your own grants and how you might want to have an industry sponsor on there, doing those internships with a relevant industry could help you get and um, build that network and have those connections where later you can say, oh, actually, maybe I can find out if these can be an industry partner on a grant. So um, I would definitely advise you to, to look for those things. Um, I think one of the challenges that I always had thinking about my career was I had relatively limited geographic mobility. Um, so I know that lots of people um, end up going abroad after their PhDs. And, you know, for me, um, because of my family circumstances, that wasn't an option. Um, but I would encourage people, you know, don't um, underestimate like what companies are kind of not too far sort of on your doorstep. I, I mean, yeah, I didn't even know that, you know, Microsoft had a lab in Cambridge um, and other companies, you know, London isn't isn't too far from Exeter. So, um, you know, you might be surprised kind of who's there and what they're doing and the type of opportunities that they have. Um, so I'd really encourage you to think about that and um, and just talk to people, you know, talk to people at conferences and um, yeah just um, re reach out to people on LinkedIn if you if you think they're really interesting and even if they're not um, somebody you could work with directly they might have advice and say well you know maybe you should try this person or maybe you should look at this program. And I think that that's fabulous advice whether you're looking at roles inside or outside of academia to really think about starting to build and maintain that network of contacts because whether you're looking for roles in industry or collaborators or industry partners for funding applications, those networks will sustain you for your career. 
Thank you so much to Denise for taking the time to talk to me. I found our conversation really fascinating to get into some of the detail of what a research career in industry is like, what that transition from postdoc to um, research in industry is like, but also what experiences to make the most of to help facilitate that transition and get you the skills that you need. And that's it for this episode. Join us next time when we'll be talking to another researcher about their career beyond their research degree.